The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Please visit pod617.com to learn about our podcast production services and view our full lineup of shows. All right, you know what, sure, it's time to talk some baseball because on the meter is running. We have not done enough baseball talk. <laughs> We've been very remiss in talking about the national pastime and I talked to you when we started this thing, maybe a mess some would call it, but when we started this show, I said, we got to get Larry Lucchino on because there's no better guest to talk baseball, to talk anything you want. He's a renaissance man, and I mean that in the truest sense. By the way, tell me when it's time for me to gloat about the fact that I'm ahead of you in our fantasy league standing. God, here you are. I'm not surprised. My team is terrible. terrible. Absolutely terrible. terrible. I thought that was why you were avoiding baseball. He's not so much a talent evaluator. He needs you at draft night. Yeah, I I could use some of your your, your talent department, but yes, Larry Lucchino is our guest. He needs no introduction. We are at Fenway Johnny's on Brookline Avenue in the shadows of Fenway Park, which is just a tremendous spot if you're coming to a game. you got to check out Fenway Johnny's. Larry, you love this place. I do. This is my first visit, but I know that I've known John Karen since the day I arrived here in 2001. And uh, he's the managing partner here, John Karen, and he does a great job. And uh, the food is good. I've had a little bit of it. How are the meatballs? The meatballs are really good, actually. They reminded me of my grandmother. That's it all my fault remind me of my grandmother. My guy grew up in Pittsburgh. That's I high praise. I did, yeah. I didn't say they were as good, I just said they reminded me of <laughs> uh, Yes, Kerry, we have to be treading uh, on, on sacred uh, ground here. No, the food is good and the uh, atmosphere is lively, and uh, I think uh, Fenway Johnny's is going to become a real institution. Oh, it, already is, it already is. And I said, Larry, the first thing I saw when I walked in was a picture of Sherm Feller. Oh, that's great. The uh, venerable yeah, PA yeah, voice yeah. of Fenway Park. And I grew up listening to him. I know you you were a big Rex Barney guy uh, yeah, in Baltimore. Did. We did Sherm Feller was yeah. the voice of Fenway. But remember, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I had uh, uh, I had a guy named Art McKechnie, who was the PA guy for about 35 years or so. Well, no kidding. And, uh, uh, that's a uh, maybe I should say that's a dying art because there's so much more going on at the ball game these days than there used to be where the, one of the few voices you would hear ever was the uh, PA announcer now there's uh, a lot of other, excuse me a lot of other stuff going on that uh, occupies people's uh, attention it's good that you brought that yeah. up because Sharon and I both talked about that and about how the Baseball right now is in kind of a maybe some would say a lull. Some would say some would say a crisis. Uh, <laughs> about crisis. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I do think there's a, a need for some change, and I think that that uh, reform in American life take, it's, it's at least two stages. It takes a while to raise the consciousness of people and institutions to say we need reform, and I think we finally have gotten to that point. And the second step would be people who are bold enough to lead uh, institutions to change. It's interesting you mentioned people that are old enough to lead. Oh, bold your, enough, bold enough. Oh, bold enough. I thought you said old enough. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So, but, but staying with the age theme here, I think one of the reasons I use the word crisis is this. Um, I think there were some recent Nielsen numbers that said 50% of the fans of Major League Baseball are 55 years or old or yeah. older, and you're really potentially losing a generation of fans with the kids. And I and I listen. I know Rob Manfred is that 30 million dollar initiative with the the Players Association. 
to reach out to youth baseball and get more kids playing Little League. But to me, if you're not getting the kids interested, you know, that's a, that's a real problem you've got on your hands. Well, I think it's a problem on the uh, institutional level, but it's also a problem for individual franchises. The Red Sox went out a, a few years ago uh, and started something called Kid Nation. And we have, it's an affirmative effort to, uh, to get the little leaguers, to get the kids and make sure that they get the ball games. And uh, it takes a little more effort than, than it did maybe in the 50s and 60s when uh, baseball was a far more dominant sport because there was so little activity on, uh, on the other front. Um, but uh, I think people are aware of it. Sam Kennedy, I, I, I know, thinks about it uh, daily. And uh, the question is not what's the problem like now. The question is how will baseball respond to the problem? Will, we, will it respond in an enlightened, uh, aggressive uh, manner and do some affirmative changes, or will it bury its head in the sand? I think, I, yeah, I think we can ask you, though, how should baseball Well, I mean, it, it, you need to be constantly, with the old Bob Dylan line, if you're not being busy born, you're busy dying. you got to keep uh, innovating and, and doing new things and recognizing realistically the uh, the the, the uh, demographics of your game, the, uh, the the need for change in elements of your game, but it still is a it's the one sport that is daily. It's the one sport that's uh, that we've all well, many of us seem to have grown up with at, at a certain age, and it's uh, it's going to be with us for a long, long time, provided that baseball responds intelligently uh, over the next. Uh, few years maybe it's the I'm next, I'm the next keep, five or ten years i'm gonna keep pressing you what would Good. you do what would you do i mean what you know you're the guy who brought well, in traditional ballparks and sparked yeah. a trend there i mean you clearly have a sense there's so of many things connects. to do and a lot of them the red sox are doing now they're actively involved in little leagues throughout massachusetts the one thing that baseball had that was different is everybody seemed to play it when they were younger and that's not so true anymore. People are out playing lacrosse or out playing uh, uh, other sports. Uh, I think I would uh, I would spend a lot of money, time, and effort on uh, on youth participation. I think I would reach out to women and girls uh, a lot more. The Red Sox are fortunate because about 40 to 45 percent of our fans are female, so we have a, we have a double opportunity to get young boys and young girls. Uh, I think I'd do some of what uh, Sam and the Red Sox are doing now with respect to the distribution of uh, uh, student tickets and get more people to the game. There's a great experience at Fenway. Fenway is more than baseball. Fenway is a baseball game played in a, uh, I don't want to get sacred here, but in a semi-sacred place, which has a certain spirit about it, a certain uh, energy in it. And uh, if you can get people into Fenway, I think you, uh, it's much easier to make them fans. So, yes. when, you, when you came to Boston, uh, what, 17, 18 years ago, and you sat down and said, all right, we're going to be part of this ownership group, what was your thought process moving forward to bring the Red Sox more into the forefront of New England? Well, first, our assessment, and I think uh, John Henry and Tom Warner and our partners shared this, assessment is the Red Sox were kind of a sleepy franchise. Even though they were enormously popular here in Boston, Fenway needed uh, a reboot, needed to be re-examined from a, uh, a cold and realistic uh, position, see if it could be saved or improved. Um, so that was one opportunity we knew was there. A more aggressive marketing of the team in a more uh, regional and national basis was another uh, thought we, we, we could bring to it. Um, and of course, there's no substitute for winning. 
uh, John, Tom, the entire uh, ownership group was, were really serious baseball fans. And we, we vowed at our first press conference, literally our first press conference on December 21st, 2001, that uh, there were certain fundamental obligations of ownership that we would try to um, adhere to. But we also made a prediction that we would eradicate the curse of the Bambino and uh, the so-called curse of the Bambino. And so, uh, uh, you know, when we succeeded in doing that in 2004, Katie barred the doors. It was just an extraordinary uh, decade or, or two for a uh, decade and a half for Red Sox. It was unbelievable. It's just simply incredible. What about the ballpark itself? It needed a lot of work. You guys knew that. To just say, hey, we're going to have to spend $200 million? Was there money? Uh, number attached to it, or was it just let's see what happens? We with uh, we we tried to come up with a, uh, a a plan. It had two stages. One is we would experiment in the first few years and see if we could make significant changes that bettered the Fenway experience, but also uh, uh, didn't destroy the Fenway experience. I mean, you could I suppose you could have put a glass uh, silo of, uh, of high-priced seats, uh, suites, I should say. Uh, some uh, high rise out of behind the Green Monster, but in, in our mind that would have changed the uh, the whole uh, look and feel and gestalt of Fenway. So we did little things first, some not so little, but they worked. And then we felt that we had the uh, the uh, creativity and the wherewithal with uh, with our front office, who was very experienced in ballparks, with Jana Marie Smith joining us, an uh, extraordinary woman who has uh, done a number of ballparks around the country. And um, uh, we thought that we could uh, do some things to make Fenway more uh, modern, more comfortable. It was kind of the inverse of Camden Yards, the reverse of Camden Yards. In Camden Yards, we, we tried to make a, the, a new ballpark more like Fenway, with quirks and eccentricities and irregularities. And here, we had the quirks and eccentricities and irregularities. We tried to bring in the modern amenities we had at Camden. And it worked in the, uh, the, the dugout seats, the uh, Green Monster seats, the uh, right field roof seats. Yeah. Uh, these things added and were popular and, and gave us financial wherewithal to uh, to have some very high payrolls and to oh, yeah. uh, sign some, uh, some very talented players. So you, you need to be committed to winning, and uh, but you need to have the financial wherewithal to, uh, to obtain the right players, as well as having the right people picking those players. This is interesting. You're talking about fandoms and the fan experience and modernizing things, but we're at a stage now where it's all about you know the screen and your phones and, and, and quite frankly, it's technology. Not, technology and, and attendance is diminishing. You know, not just in baseball, but in other sports. I mean, what does what the future hold? I mean, when you look at construction of ballparks today, construction of stadiums, and what they can do, and just with, even aside from construction, what they can do to, to get fans to the game, to watch it in the stadium, in the arena, in the ballpark. Well, you're right. There's a tremendous opportunity. We hope to take advantage of it here in the Red Sox system with our AAA affiliate. We have a, a, a team in Pawtucket that's been there for a long, long time. And we have an opportunity, we hope to have an opportunity to build a new ballpark uh, uh, for that team. Um, and uh, one of our commitments to ourselves is that it will be a highly technologically advanced ballpark. 
in terms of fan comfort, fan experiences, fan amenities. Now, of course, there's a lot going on in the clubhouse and the video room and all of that. But I'm just talking about the stuff that faces the public. What does that look like? I mean, when you say, you know, comfort and fan amenities, what do you? What does that that's, look like? That's a $64 question. That's why we have a uh, we have a task force that we've assembled uh, down in uh, with the Pawtucket team. Force. To uh, yes, uh, working with the technology uh, uh, universities as well as uh, with some of our own technology technology people, we don't want to just talk the talk. We want to walk the walk. So what does that mean? Does that mean Wi-Fi for everybody? Seems like that's an obvious thing. Well, we don't have that, you know, in, in most places here. But uh, there has to be. There, and how about the state-of-the-art uh, um, video boards and all of that? Of course, you need that. But you need more than that. You need to, maybe you need facial recognition. Maybe you need uh, uh, non-paper tickets. I don't know all the things that you need. That's why I've got people who are smarter than I am working on this, and with the hope that we will uh, come up with uh, a bunch of things that will make the ballpark experience uh, even more enjoyable and uh, and perhaps a little more like what people can experience at home. Where is that ballpark experience likely to be? That's a very good question. <laughs> sure. Another, yeah. another yeah, million-dollar question can we, can here or we, more. Can I change the subject? How about those uh, Red Sox? Huh? No, 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 no. Um, we're actually in, in the uh, uh, home stretch of a process that's gone on for a couple of years, where we've been trying to get a, a new ballpark uh, in Pawtucket public ballpark in Pawtucket to replace the uh, 77-year-old McCoy Stadium. Man, but we, don't you love it when the kids can put the, the, the That's uh, the one autographs. of the most charming elements it's, of it, yeah. but how about beyond that? <laughs> You're talking about the fishing for autographs? Yeah, that's fishing something? for autographs. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, think I mean, that's, that is, that that's is just great. quintessential you, New England Pawtucket. Yeah, you, yeah. Pay, uh, you pay a price for that in terms of uh, intimacy and, and uh, distance of seats from the, from the, the playing of the game. But you're right, it's a very cute concept, and we'd, we'd like to uh, maintain some of that in, in a new ballpark. But uh, we are trying to uh, evaluate uh, some uh, proposals that have been uh, put to us um, by the uh, state of Rhode Island just last weekend. And, uh, and we will consider those uh, with uh, other uh, proposals that have been made to us over the last year and try to make a decision in the next uh, several weeks. Where does Worcester figure into all of this? I mean, Worcester, Massachusetts, Worcester? Worcester is is certainly very much a candidate. They have done a sensational job with uh, their uh, approach to this. The uh, fans have made it abundantly clear how much they want the Red Sox AAA affiliate there. And the uh, government officials have been very professional, very... uh, responsive and very creative so uh, we're gonna but it won't just be about dollars and cents it'll be about a lot of other subjective uh, factors but uh, you're right there's a big decision coming up what up gangsters from pod617.com it's Shawshanked the podcast I'm your host, Uncle Buck. Nick Stevens. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. Matty Blake. Come on, do it. Kill me. It's Georgie Kip. This movie has everything. Kiss masks. Lee Trevino. Shawshank. Movies that you get. Shawshanked by. Shawshank. I guess I just miss my friend. Shawshank. Make sure to check for new episodes of Shawshank regularly at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. Larry Lucchino is our guest on The Meter is Running. Again, a man who needs no introduction. We're at Fenway Johnny's on Brookline Avenue in the shadows of Fenway. Larry, when you 
left the Red Sox day-to-day -day operation. Sam Kennedy moved in to your old position. What were your words of advice for Sam? You worked with him for many years. He did a great job working under you, but yeah, what are his biggest challenges? Well, you know, you're in Boston, you do have to win. You're in Boston, you do have to take care of Fenway Park. But Sam knew all these things. We've been together for, I don't know, uh, seven, 16 or 17 years. I mean, I, I hired him right out of, uh, out of Trinity uh, College here in, uh, in Connecticut. And um, so he, he knew the job, he knew the game, and he, he also knew the town very well. He grew up here. So he didn't need a lot of advice from me. I'm kind of a ceremonial appendage. If he wants to uh, cut a ribbon or he wants to have, uh, you know, a... a uh, conversation about X or Y, I'm available, but uh, he's doing a great job with the, the, the team that's assembled there, and uh, again, it's all about uh, winning, and it's and, I, and for my life, because of where we are, it's all about the facility. Do you talk frequently, or do you have some, have you had yeah, conversations with Yeah, I talked to Sam uh, regularly, I talked to him the last three or four days, and, uh, but there, there, there will come a time, I mean, there are times when I don't talk to him for a week or two. And I, I, I have an office down the hall, so he knows where to find me if he wants a little institutional memory. And when the managerial search was going on, uh, did he tap into you for that? Uh, I let my, I had my uh, chance to uh, chime in. But again, John and Tom and Sam are all really experienced people. It's not that I, uh, I, I walked out the door, which I haven't quite <laughs> done, I still own a piece of the team, and uh, and I'm also, uh, but there are people there who really know and love the game and know how to run the franchise, so uh, this franchise is, is in good hands. What was your take on Dave Dombrowski when they hired him? Well, I knew that he was a known commodity to John. John had some familiarity uh, with him in Florida, and, uh, and that was very much... Uh, John's call because of his historic relationship with them, and Dave. Well, Dave wants to win. You know that uh, very definitely. Wants to win uh, today, and uh, that that's not a bad mentality to start with. What about those in Red Sox Nation who say, "Hey, he's decimated our farm system." <laughs> Theo Epstein was a firm believer in building the farm system, yeah. as were you. As was Ben Charrington. As was the Ben. Players yes. uh, who are the core of this team have come up through the farm system. The last I checked, we had 19 of the 25 players that played in Kentucky, which is an extraordinary number. Uh, but uh, uh, listen, everybody makes their own judgments about uh, the tr transactions. Is it worth the, uh, mortgaging the future, or are you trading high and getting great value? So uh, uh, Dave's got his his approach to the to the game, and uh, he's living by it. And let's uh, let's hope it'll result in some world championships. When you look back at your uh, Red Sox tenure, um, unbelievable success, three world titles. Do you have quiet moments when you say, man, we did pretty well? Yeah, I do. I do. And I, uh, I remember uh, hanging out with uh, John Henry a little bit this last offseason on a trip. And we were talking about the, uh, the joys of, uh, of that first 15 years uh, together. And uh, certainly winning. At, makes everything uh, look and feel better. But the truth is, we reminisced about how 
sleep deprived we were during a lot of the great moments. And we had to relive them because we didn't couldn't remember a lot of them to start with. So yeah, reliving them was the way to go. I think the media was sleep deprived. <laughs> I had to get up at four in the morning to do that radio show that you used to be a part of. I remember coming in from St. Louis at the uh, end of October 2004. And well, we got in at about seven or eight in the morning. And while most uh, people on the team, planes and buses, uh, could have went home to sleep, I went right to the mayor's office to plan the uh, the, uh, the, the uh, parade that we were going to have. The mayor, of course, was uh, not someone who uh, wanted to wait around to make decisions. He wanted to get things done as soon as possible. <laughs> so there I am. Uh, uh, half asleep. I don't remember that meeting. I do remember saying, yes, Mayor, yes, Mayor, yes, Mayor. That's a, that's a very good idea, Mayor. I do remember saying a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, Mayor, Mayor Menino was, uh, well, he was a big fan. He was. He was, a, he was an Sox. old catcher, and he never he never outgrew it. He really loved the game, and he uh, and he had opinions. Believe me, he had opinions on players. <laughs> Strong opinions about the parade? I'm sorry. Strong opinions about the parade. Yes, he did on the on the duck parade. Absolutely, he had strong opinions, and uh, but he had strong opinions about everything in Boston. He was an extraordinary uh, mayor, and uh, just one of the pillars on which modern Boston is built. Any memories of you know the, the, the your years of success with the Red Sox? Something in there in those memories that the average fan might not know about or that the media never you know had a chance oh. to kind of dive into. Something that might surprise us. Well, sure, that's a hard uh, question because uh, there are so many because as extensively covered as the Red Sox are, uh, there obviously are behind, back of the house, behind the scenes kind of things that, uh, that happen that uh, don't get out. Most of the things relating to the Red Sox oh, Give do, us something that didn't get out. Give us yeah, something that didn't little. get out. Yeah. Let me think about that. Jesus. Um, um, I guess the story of uh, Pedro's call to me about uh, David Ortiz has gotten out more recently. But that was a unique moment because he was a guy who was in the middle of contract negotiations and he called me to talk about uh, David Ortiz, his friend who was an extremist because he just got cut. And the uh, that phone call with uh, with Pedro was unique in that he, uh, he talked uh, exclusively about David and what kind of guy he was and what kind of personality he had and how he was uh, Respected and uh, even revered by, by, by people, and what kind of impact he could have on the team. And I, I don't remember another conversation in my uh, career where one player talked exclusively and eloquently and effectively about another player. And now uh, that story's come out a little bit recently, but that was kind of quiet for a long time. That's a great story, and it was amazing how passionate he was. I mean, he certainly could be a general manager, I guess, based on that. Yeah, he's having fun, though. He's having fun. Of course, Pedro always has fun. He's, he's a doing great, a ton in the Dominican. You know, yeah, he is. Charity and, efforts. Yeah, and so is David, by the way. Uh, I'm on David's uh, uh, board of his foundation, and uh, the pediatric uh, help and uh, for cardiac patients, cardiac children, uh, children with cardiac problems, to be clear. Is gigantic. He does it in Boston. He does it in Dominican, and uh, and Pedro's charities are also everywhere. These two guys have two of the biggest hearts uh, of any human beings I've ever known, and uh, it's so great to see them care so much uh, and, and take advantage of their fame and popularity. So since this conversation has taken a bit of an international turn here. Um, 
And I know you've been a big advocate for sort of promoting the game internationally. Yeah. What do you make of what's going to happen next summer? Oh, I think it's going to be great. We're, of course, talking about We're, the Red Sox Yankees series in London. Yes, you going? Ne next June. Yeah, I'm certainly going to be there. I, I, uh, absolutely. I remember starting work on it with uh, John Henry uh, in about 2013 or 14. We really wanted to see, see it happen even before this. But again, baseball moves slowly, and uh, the fact that it's going to happen in, 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 in uh, June of 2019 is a great thing because oftentimes baseball doesn't lead with its best product. It doesn't play its best cards in the international. It takes teams that are willing to travel and maybe teams that are of lesser popularity and, uh, and, and it leads with them. This is a, a very different example in Western Europe to try to do something uh, with the Yankees and the Red Sox right from the get-go. So what are you looking forward to most? I mean, it's going to be a spectacular setting. They're in, they're in the converted Olympic Stadium, right, where all the track and yeah, field events yeah. took place. I think it's at Wembley, isn't it? Uh, uh, no, I think, I think no, it's I think the it's Olympic the U.S. Uh, it's at the Olympic Stadium. Stadium. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Stadium, out, yeah. Out of the uh, Olympic Park, which um, is just a phenomenal well, uh, facility yeah. for track. I'm looking for, for the, uh, the international feel. You know, the, the way the Olympics, the World Cup, there's an international feel that really enlivens the game. I'm looking for a touch of that. I'm also looking for some kind. I'm going to warn uh, Sam about uh, there'll be some kind of shenanigans the Yankees will engage in <laughs> trying to uh, carve a bigger cutout for them. Than, uh, oh, and I'm geez. sure Sam is well aware of that. That'll be fun as, uh, <laughs> to anticipate where they may strike. <laughs> and is there going to be like any education? I know that some in, in the UK don't need this, but I mean, are you going to reach out? I mean, is this all part of the plan? I mean. Listen, if you told me there was going to be a cricket match at Fenway, I wouldn't even know where to begin to understand yeah, the Yeah, well, game. actually, uh, Sam and the folks at Fenway are considering a cricket match. Oh, really? By the way, yeah. So we've got, wow. wow All right, that, well, won't that be great? I will need some education. Why not? They've got everything some, else. some cricket education. Yeah, but are people going a, over there and saying, hey, you know, here's yeah. how you can well, better all, appreciate the game? There, there, there uh, has been some international development in Western Europe already. Uh, not so much in London, uh, but uh, certainly around Western Europe. And um, it, this is a Major League Baseball enterprise, so they will have a responsibility to go over there to set the table and make sure people are aware, and I'm sure they'll do that fairly well, because England and Western Europe is a, uh, is a, is a potential fertile ground for baseball. Before we let you go, Larry, this race is really percolating. It brings back memory, bring back memories of 2003, 2004, that the glory years, so to speak, with the Red Sox and Yankees. Where do you see it headed? Well, I see a, a battle to the wire. I think that uh, that's going to be fun. The standard used to be, are you in the hunt at la on Labor Day? And that was a, that was a successful season. If you're playing meaningful games in September. They're going to be meaningful games here well into late September. I agree. we got and meaningful games coming up at the end, you know? Yeah, at the end of this yeah. month. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But uh, so it seems to me that the, uh, um, the fall, September, uh, will be really exciting around here, provided everybody stays healthy. You know, it's a, uh, a very hard game to predict. Yeah, knock on wood, exactly. Um, the uh, injuries could play a role, but uh, these two teams are, are, are loaded. And... and uh, and uh, unless injuries play a terribly one-sided role in it, 
they will it will go down to, to the wire. I, I, I forget. I would agree with that as well. And Pawtucket, where what's the deadline for that decision? Well, well there is no immediate deadline because we uh, have a lease that goes through 2020. But we've been working on this for about two and a half years, and there's an effective deadline, which is uh, probably uh, uh, this summer late this summer or something like that to get a decision made. So and, moving yeah. relatively fast. Well, I mean, after it the may seem that way yeah, to yeah. you. But to the, me, to I know me, you've been at it for years. but Yeah, yeah, we've been working on it for a while. But uh, we want to have a, a new ballpark in 2021, April 2021. And I've got, we've got a lot of good people working on it, including Jan Marie, Charles Steinberg, uh, a bunch of it's like uh, the gang, getting the gang back together. Yeah, getting the band back <laughs> the together. Band. That's the yeah. That's the Lucino Moth. I don't know. I wouldn't call it that. But uh, uh, no, we, we've gotten some. Uh, uh, there's some uh, good possibilities here. So, knock on wood, we'll uh, we'll have another milestone for the Red Sox as well because you know bringing that AAA uh, operation and facility. Up a, up a notch or two from a 77-year-old ballpark is is critical to success at the big league level too. I still think you got to figure out a way though to get allow people to fish for autographs. There's got, well, in, the, in whatever new ballpark, wherever it is, I want to bring my nephews to fish for autographs. All right, fishing for I, fishing I, I for agree autographs. with you. It's it's the most charming thing at uh, at McCoy right now. I'd argue it's the most charming. I mean, I've been to a number of minor league ballparks. I'd argue it's the most charming thing about any minor league ballpark. <laughs> Okay, well, be. everybody's an architect. You know? That's right. <laughs> if anyone can get it done, Lucino can okay. with Dr. Charles and thank company. You. But, Larry, thanks so much for your time. Okay, see thank you. Great to you. see you. Meter, nice to have you. Thanks good, for having me. Good luck down the stretch here. Larry Lucino, the one, the only. Fenway Johnnies, thank you so much for having us. John Karen, Katie uh, Curry, the great, uh, I guess, the manager here at uh, Fenway Johnnies. She does a Katie. tremendous job as well. And we appreciate David Yaz for his help. Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. That's how you find us, pod617.com. You can download us on iTunes at The Meter is Running. She's Shira Springer. Shira, always great to see you. Likewise. We'll be back again with another outstanding I feel we need to do a part show. two with Larry, by we, the way. We really should do it We, we didn't even get into a law school classmate of Hillary Clinton. Is that correct? I got a whole list of stuff. Indeed, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, got a, we got a whole list. So maybe, 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 a, maybe in two. September. I would yeah. be happy to come back. You guys. Right. Outstanding. Uh, if this uh, podcast can only be good for the Red Sox as it spreads the uh, the word and keeps the fever alive. We'll make it an uh, eight-part installment. Maybe, maybe when you get that, that uh, <laughs> Pawtucket decision. Okay. Sounds good to me. Thank but you. Tremendous job for everybody here at Fenway Johnny's in Brookline Avenue right in the shadows of Fenway Park. For Shira Springer, I'm John Mita Perel and Larry Lucchino. Thanks for listening to The Meter is Running.